Okay. Um, well, today is um, Friday, January 5th, 2018, a new year. And this is the Fiction Old and New Book Group. And tonight we're discussing um, Angie Thomas's debut novel called The Hate You Give. And I actually have a little bit more information about her than I usually have for authors, so this will just take a minute to go through. Um, Angie Thomas was born in Jackson, Mississippi in either 1987 or 1988. For some reason, nobody seemed to have her exact year, um, and she still lives there. She grew up near the home of slain civil rights leader Medgar Evers, and told Ebony Magazine that her mother heard the gunshot that killed him. Um, when Angie was six years old, she was almost caught in the middle of gunfire while she was out riding her bicycle. The next day, her mother took her to the library to show her that the world offered more possibilities than what she had just witnessed. Angie developed a love of reading and began to write stories. Her third-grade teacher recognized her talent and asked Angie to read one of her stories to the class every Friday. She attended Bellhaven University in Mississippi and was the first black student to graduate from that college with a degree in creative writing. She initially wrote in the fantasy genre, but was mentored by one of her college professors who told her that she could give voice to those who had been silenced in the world that she grew up in. The Hate You Give is her debut novel and was the winner of the Walter Dean Myers Grant in 2015, awarded by the We Need Diverse Books organization. Her novel was bid on by 13 different publishing houses before going to HarperCollins and has been optioned for a film. In a book list review, the novel was described as beautifully written in Starr's authentic first-person voice, this is a marvel of verisimilitude as it insightfully examines two worlds in collision, an inarguable important book that demands the widest possible readership. And just as a, an additional point, I actually heard on the radio today when I was listening to a program that in Katy, Texas, that town, um, the school superintendent just decided unilaterally to ban this book um, from all the school libraries in that area um, because he didn't like the language in the book. And apparently it's, it's a little bit of a controversy in, in that area as well. So um, why don't we see what everybody thought of the book? Well, I'll go first. This is Alan since, uh, since the, the, the author's from you know, the town I grew up in and stuff. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I, th I thought it was, it was very well done. Uh, I'll have to admit that I spent some time in my Urban Dictionary app because uh, I, don't, I don't know a, 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 I mean, a lot of the vernacular I could, I could figure out. I'm still a little unclear with, I think they were saying dab, but uh, I thought they were saying dap, but it seemed like some kind of like a positive sign of something when, when somebody says something that you like or agree with that, that they were going to give them. I, and I'm not clear if it's dab or dap, but uh, uh, but I, I thought the book was very well done. It, it, it showed a side of of of, uh, of culture that I that I think uh, everybody in this country needs to be more familiar with, with, especially with everything that's been going on, you know, with, like with the Trayvon Martin case. And uh, I mean, this this was obviously patterned a little bit after that, but uh, 
we've got to start listening to each other and 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 you know and try to empathize with our fellow man and stuff regardless of their color or their uh, of their religion or, or what have you and uh, uh she just did a good job of, of bringing forth a lot of uh of uh things that i think we need to to be aware of uh and 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 present it in a good story so uh, i i really enjoyed it i also was absolutely impressed with this book um it's relevant it's it's a excellent storytelling um and it really it does it 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 really makes you think um about many different issues um certainly the the police brutality the police, the the unfair treatment of racial racials and, and even you know even at the end with with the, the the struggle with do you have to actually live in the hood to be able to help the hood okay if you can afford to get your families out is that better for your families um just the struggles all around i love it and what i'm real excited about is i was googling her and coming out in may is her second book the um i think it's called the come up and it goes back to garden heights so i don't know if it's an actual sequel of this book but it goes back to that same neighborhood and perhaps picks up some different characters and focuses on them but i can't wait i also really enjoyed this book and i must admit there are a lot of things uh, about the the culture that that i don't understand um but alan as you said we do need to start relating more to each other listening more to each other um i will definitely read her second book when it comes out i thought this was beautifully written um i don't understand the narrow mindedness of that uh school president who banned the book i've read books with much worse language in it than this one so i don't i don't understand that at all but uh angie thomas is is writes beautifully and uh um it it's it's nice for me to uh start reading an author beginning with with her first book and uh i intend to to follow her along as uh long as she continues to write i really enjoyed the book also as a matter of fact uh, i thought it was so well written that in my mind's eye I was right along with them the white white boy right right along with them and I was really frustrated uh, that things were like they that they were we didn't try to do something and couldn't couldn't do it uh, you know tell the truth not spot talk anything but it's really frustrating well first um Liz and Marsha it's so nice to have you both here Um and Alan the word that you were actually asking about is actually dap which is d a p which I don't know if they still use it was very popular like a couple of years ago and basically it was kind of like if you agreed with somebody if you gave them praise you were giving them dap so that that was the word I think that you were asking about um I really like the book very much um I read it the first time I guess a couple of months ago and then I read it again and it was interesting reading it a second time because of course I knew the whole story but it struck me the second time more like a young adult book than it did the first time the first time I read it I thought you know this is really an adult story but the second time I saw a little bit more of the young 
adult elements in it. So that was, you know, I, I liked it just as much, but I think I saw it a little bit differently the second time. Um, and one of the things I hope that we can talk about a little bit later is is the idea with Star, how she had to sort of present two different faces in two different, very different environments, because she had her environment in Garden Heights, which I thought was very well portrayed because there was a lot of warmth in her family and neighbors really helped each other out a lot of times and there was a lot of strong community feeling. But also at the same time, there was that threat of violence that was, was present, you know, all the time. And I thought she did really well sort of conveying that. But on the other hand, when Starr went to her, her prep school, which was predominantly white and predominantly, I would guess, you know, middle class or maybe upper middle class, um, she had to really keep herself in check all the time, and I thought that was an interesting thing, and I wondered if other people feel that as well, like in their life, that they feel that they're one way in one environment and then another way in another environment. But let, let's see what everybody else thought about the book. Well, this is Deborah, and um, I came tonight because I had intended to read this book, and when I saw that this was the book you were reading... It gave me uh, motivation. I, I absolutely loved it, and I just finished it probably 15 minutes before you all gathered here. Um, and I must say that when I got to the end where she names all of the recent victims, um, whose names I mostly recognized, I, I, I cried. Um, it's. I think it's. It's just a beautiful book. Um, interestingly, I, I wanted to know about. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty far behind frequently on pop culture, so I wondered if the Fresh Prince of Bel Air was um, an actual reference to an actual show and song. And I had lunch today with my daughter and her fiancé who were young and um, and I asked them and it was so great because they burst simultaneously into the rap that about being born in West Philadelphia that um, Chris dedicates to star at the prom so that was pretty great so I thought oh I guess that and, and so I'm assuming The Hate You Give is an actual song, too, although I haven't heard that yet. Maybe some others have. Um, but what Michelle was asking about, the two faces, I hope we talk more about that. I, I've, I've, This is the third book of this sort, this genre, if you will, um, set in contemporary settings um, and dealing with the whole... Black Lives Matter issue. It's the third book of this sort that I've read in, in just the last four or five weeks, I guess. And I've, I've loved them all and um, have learned from them all. But I see frequent parallels between the experience that Star so... Um, ably presents to us and the experience of being blind um, the whole thing of you know t- 
two faces and, and how do you behave here and how do you behave there and being a little bit ashamed sometimes of where you really come from and just all I, I and I, it's certainly not the first time probably about the hundredth and fiftieth time that I've recognized this um, commonality that we have as people who are blind with people of racial or religious minorities. Anyway, so that's all. Thanks thanks much for um, uh, prompting me to read this book. Um, just a quick note. I think that The Hate You Give is referenced in the book as being a line from a Tupac Shakur um, rap. So, And at one point in the book, they do actually go into more depth of the they give a few more lines, but it's basically the hate you give, and it's call, calling people to think about the, how the effect it's, it's your, the children and, and the, the kids and, and around you. But I think it's from Tupac Shakur. Shakur. I was going to wait, because most of you have said everything I was going to, but when Deb said about the blind um, comparison, it was exactly what I was going to jump in, so I decided to jump in right now, not too far after her. What I wanted to say was I, too, think there are comparisons. Not completely, but there are comparisons um, between the, you know, the issue of minority and such and blindness. I will say, though, I know of no Ivy League school that goes out begging and looking for blind people, however qualified, at least not when I was applying for college back in the 80s and, and then again in the 90s. Minorities, if they're very smart, sometimes are highly sought after in a way that I don't think we are. I'll end by saying the main thing I wanted to say, which was – and I'm sorry, I can't write it. I don't think I have that kind of writing ability. I wish somebody would do in fiction for blind people what she is doing for minorities or you know what other writers do for their unique social group, be it LGBT or be it um, Armenian-American or whatever, I just don't think we've really had – we've had a little, but I don't think we've had a book that really grabbed everyone's attention, that climbed the chart. I, I don't know if it's because our minority is too small or people are too scared of it, but I, I wish we had a little something to do for us what writers like this have done in fiction of course, if we had a blind version of Ta-Nehisi Coates, who writes for race issues at the Atlantic, that might be good too. Well, I ha- I have to agree. Um, when I was reading it, that whole thing occurred to me as well um, about the the blindness and you know feeling in similar situations. It, it, that did occur to me as well. But um, I really enjoyed it. I I struggled a little bit at the beginning because with it being in the first person and it was so far removed from anything I know about. Um, it was, and I found just the, um, you know, it, it was uh, it was read in sort of dialect, as it were, from the projects, and I found it all, and a teenage girl, I found it a bit difficult to start with, and I thought, oh, I'm not gonna, sure if I'm going to like, if I'm going to be able to get into it, but as it went on, and I really got into the families and Star, she was a fantastic character, she's so likeable, um, and it was all so interesting, the idea of, um, you know, her being the only black girl in the in the school and then Chris as well coming over and being the only white bloke at the riots and with the family and it was so interesting to see how the family reacted to him and the difficulty she had with her friends as well I mean it was so awkward for her trying to be one thing and then another and um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic um, and by the end of it I didn't, I didn't want it to end I wanted to find out what happened to her so I hope the other one is going to be a sequel 
but I thought it was just just marvellous. Um, you know, particularly I think all the things to do with how she reacted to her friends, all the different friends, and the difficulties she had. I thought it was excellent. Well, I really liked the book a lot too. Um, like I have the same feelings that a lot of you have. It was incredibly well written. It gave you a, a slice of life that we don't usually experience, which in this case it was a good thing given what the poor girl went through. Um, I thought it was interesting at her school, too, when she said, like, her friends could rap, but she didn't feel like she could because she would be identified as somebody from the hood. And she didn't feel like she could get angry because she would be identified as that angry black girl. And I thought that I can't imagine how difficult it would be to try to live in two worlds like that. And uh, Shell just mentioned Chris, and Chris other than Star, was one of my favorite characters. I thought he was a great boyfriend. I thought he showed a lot of patience. When I don't blame him for really being mad that Star didn't share what she was going through with him. That would, that would be you know, frustrating for a boyfriend. Um, and I did like the way the family reacted to him, too. I thought that was kind of realistic. The dad really had some problems with it, but handled it fairly well. Um, and the um, just the way Star handled everything. I mean, I can't even imagine handling that as an adult, let alone as a teenage girl. She did incredibly well. And while I have the microphone, too, I wanted to welcome Roanne. Um, I haven't seen you in any of these book clubs before, so if you're not sure how to proceed, you just hold the control key down and just be patient. Whenever it's your turn, you'll hear a chirp. And if you have a microphone, you can then talk into the microphone. Yes, um, welcome Deborah and, and welcome Roanne as well. Um, and first, um, yeah, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air was a very popular show with um, Will Smith, who t- later became a pretty big um, movie star. And what he did was he played a character who was from, I, I guess, a ghetto in Philadelphia, and he got into like a little bit of trouble. And so his family shipped him off to his very wealthy relatives in Bel Air, California. So he was, you know, kind of a fish out of water, and he played a character who was who was very much like his own person. So he didn't. I don't think he really adjusted to the same degree that Star had to had to adjust in in her school situation. Um, and and I agree with Shell. I really liked the fact that they they discussed a lot of the different friendships that she had um, with Haley, who didn't turn out to be such a wonderful friend. Um, it mentioned in the book that she and Haley had bonded a lot when they were younger because Haley's mother had died, I think, of cancer. And then um, uh, Star's uh, very good friend Natasha had been killed when, when they were 10 years old. So they both were going through a, a, you know, a very strong period of grief, and that brought them very close together. Um, but then later on, um, Haley didn't like when she put uh, pictures of Emmett Till, on, I guess, on her Instagram or Tumblr or whatever account it was, and she found it too upsetting. And I don't know if that was just an excuse or what the reason was, but they, you know, they really weren't such good friends again. But Mia, who I think was Asian American, um, also maybe felt a little bit out of place in the school and, and understood a little bit better you know, what it was like to fit in. Um, I thought Chris was an extraordinary boyfriend, (laughs) so much so to the point that I kind of wondered if he was almost, like, too good to be true, sort of, because he seemed very patient and very mature for somebody who was was that age. Um, I liked him, um, but I I guess I found him a little bit hard to believe. He was probably the one character in the story that that I wondered a little bit 
about. Um, but I really did like very much that she brought in all the different friendships. Um, the one question that I wondered throughout this whole book, um, and I have my own opinion about it, which I'll share, but I don't know if people have strong opinions about this, is do you think that Khalil would have been shot by the police officer if he had been a white suburban uh, young man such as Chris? So if Chris had been in the car instead of Khalil and he was driving Star and he went in and reached in for his, ha his um, hairbrush, would he have been shot? And my gut feeling is he would not have been shot, um, that, that some of this, maybe a lot of it was racially charged. Um, so that was kind of a question that I wondered, actually, when I was reading the whole story as well. Yeah, I, <clears throat> pardon me, I agree. I think, um, <clears throat> pardon me, I think uh, if Khalil would, would have been white, he, he would not have been shot. Um, I think a lot of this, uh, this this brutality with the with the police is strictly racial, and um, in my mind, there's no doubt about it. Um, and I have a question about the the, the song, the, the hate you give. What was the significance of you, the letter U being used instead of Y-O-U? And was that, because I know they, they brought up uh, Tupac Shakur a lot in the book, and he was, uh, he was Khalil's idol, I, I, would, I would say. And um, I'm just, just wondering if that song was by him and uh, the significance of using the letter U. I know some of the, that culture likes to use letter and number abbreviations like straight, S-T-R, the number eight. I don't know a lot about it. Somebody else can comment. I just wanted to say briefly, uh, since people were mentioning several times Star being in two worlds, it reminded me of a nonfiction memoir I read years back called Project Girl. I believe it was on, it's on board by, I believe her name was Jeanette McDonald. To make a long story short, she somehow, she applies or is chosen somehow and attends a very nice boarding school on the East Coast. She's from somewhere like Harlem. And then she goes to college, and it just talks about how you can't really go home again. She was too different from the kids who she, whom she left behind. She It changed her very much beyond, and you just can't always go back. So you're not quite in the upper-middle-class white world because you're black, but you're not quite in the African-American world anymore because you've been exposed to too many things. You've been educated in a different way, and you see things differently. Um, well, I would have to agree that I don't think... Not only do I not think he would have been shot if he were white, I don't think he would have been stopped in the first place if he were white. And if he was stopped for a broken taillight, I don't think the cop would have made him get out of the car. So I suspect things would have gone down quite differently. I didn't understand the title either. I've seen the letter U used a lot for you, but I don't, I'm not familiar with that song at all. I don't know if, what the title meant in terms of the story of the book. Um, I think... Okay, I, I'm wondering if the U is like a texting shortcut because texting would be real big and that's oftentimes, you know, when people, in, in the old-fashioned texting, when you had to kind of like cycle through numbers to get to different letters and stuff and it was really a pain before it got so much easier than um, to, like it is today, uh, straight would have been S-T-R-8 or see you later would be C-U, you know, like L-8 you know, kind of thing, to just make it short for texting. Um, and again, I think in the book they said that the significance of the hate you give was an attempt to 
really get people to listen and look at how you're acting and, and, and how, how your neighborhoods are is getting passed on to your kids. If I'm, I'm hoping somebody else remembers that, but I, but I think that I recall that I don't, I don't I'm not familiar with the Tupac song, um, but I, I think that that's what they said in the book. Yeah, so I I took the U just to mean it was like a more modern book, you know, because it was it was billed as a young adult novel. So I just thought the the letter U was just to make it say quite texty. And I just say good evening to Rowan as well. She's a friend of mine. I was telling her what a lovely book group it is, and so she said she'd come along and have a listen. But uh, what the other thing I wanted to comment on as well was um, I I was so interested in all the uh, the gang related uh, stuff with um, Marv, um, the dad, and his brother, and the relationship between them. One of them being a policeman and uh, Marv actually doing going to prison so that he could get out of the gang. And um, all the all the hierarchy of the gangs and the, the things you had to do and the clothes to wear and you know it was. Um, this is, it's very difficult. I mean, he never asked to be in that gang. He was the, the dad, Marv. He was only in there because of his, his family connections. And uh, it was so hard for him to get out, you know. Uh, he didn't want to be in it. But the things he had to do just to earn the right to leave, um, oh, it was, it, it's, it's a terrible situation to be in. Okay, so I'm going to apologize in advance for my language. This is the actual word of the song that was mentioned in the book. It says, the hate you give fucks everybody. And basically, and it's from a Tupac Shakur song. I'm, I'm not, I know who he is, but I'm not really that familiar with his music. But basically the idea is that, that you start, you know, giving hate. And, and as Liz said, it goes down, you know, down to the babies. And that when they grow up, they're so, uh, they've already been exposed to so much terrible violence and hatred and everything that it just can't help but impact them and it makes their lives so much more difficult. So it's sort of a, a vicious cycle um, that, that never is going to end. And I think that's what they were trying to, to point out in the song. Um, now, Uncle Carlos, I believe, was Lisa, the mother's brother. And I think what happened was um, Mav or Maverick went to prison because in, in the United States they have three strikes and you're out rule. So if you're convicted of a felony on the third felony conviction that you have, you go to prison for life. Um, and King, who was the big gangster in the neighborhood, he already had two felony convictions. So he made a deal with, with Mav that he would, he would plead guilty to this particular crime and take a three-year sentence and that way um, he would avoid getting life imprisonment. And in exchange for that, he let him out of, out of the gang. I don't know if that happens in real life, but it, you know, it worked well for the story. And he you know, turned his life around. He bought the grocery store. And he tried to, you know, to, to you know, basically what he said was he wanted to be a good father for, for his, his children. But they had a really close relationship with Uncle Carlos. And it was interesting to see him as a police officer, he got so upset when he heard that, you know, what happened in, with the car and how the police officer made Star, you know, put her hands on the dashboard so it looked like she, you know, wasn't carrying any weapons and things like that. So I, I, I really liked the way that she conveyed the neighborhood because I thought she conveyed the warmth of the family and, and the way that people help each other in the neighborhood. 
um, but that that all of that goodness is is corrupted by by all the gangs and the violence and the fact that a lot of people grow up and feel like they have no opportunity and and this is their only way to make money um, and it's 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 really you know just a terrible situation. I, I thought she did all that really really well um, and I understand. Uh, I'm sorry I don't remember who mentioned it earlier. The idea of wanting to get out of the neighborhood. I think it was Liz who mentioned it. Um, and, and I think that is, that's a hard question in one sense because you feel like you're, you're betraying your community. But on the other sense, and she can understand that if people, you know, the mother got a better job and she wanted her family to be in a safer environment. Um, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's a hard, it's a hard thing, um, to, to talk about. Um, and I guess one other thing I was wondering is, have you yourself, you know, I, I liked at the end where they were, they were showing, you know, the ways that, that people reacted to the sentence um, and the injustice that was happening. And there was that woman, April Afra, who had Justice for Justice, that organization. And I liked they brought in all those kind of elements. And have you yourself ever been involved in protesting, like, any kind of injustice, either individually or as part of an organization, or part as a community level, and if so, did you respond to those those elements in the story that about you know protesting what you saw as an injustice? Well, I can't say I've ever uh, uh, protested, uh, but there's still a lot of time left, so we'll, we'll see. But not so far. But I was going to comment a little bit about what Liz had said. Uh, yeah, I think you were right about about Tupac and and and. You know his references to the the hate you give, and I agree with others. I, I you know, I, I think we can overthink this whole. I think you was just a shortened form of the word you. I mean, I don't think it had any other significance than that. It just uh, uh, whether you say it's a cultural thing or just a a you thing or a saving space to text thing, uh, it's just a it's another way to present the word. But uh, but Tupac was. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with any of his. Uh, you know. Uh, any of his 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 music or or rapping or whatever, but he was a big rapper. Uh, he was killed in Las Vegas in 1996. He was 25 years old, so uh, apparently uh, he, he was very popular and had a lot to say in, in his in his songs and stuff. So, uh, uh, and I, I, I did look up DAP again on uh, uh, the Urban Dictionary app, and I don't know why I missed it the first time, but it's like a uh, uh, it's a, it's a fist bump as either a, f a form of greeting or a show of respect. So, uh, there you go. I tell you, I liked, uh, Chris a lot also. And, uh, w when they were going down to protest, uh, he w would, wanted to go with them. They didn't think maybe he shouldn't. And he said, no, nope, I'm going to go. And I, I, I think it was seven ask him uh, jokingly said are you white let me see let me test you do you like green bean casserole and chris says yeah yeah you're white i thought that was pretty funny too there was a lot of humor in the book too considering the content did you guys i know when i when the cop stopped khalil and he talked back to him i was sitting there cringing like no no don't say anything and, you know, you hear a lot about black parents who teach their children how to deal with cops and be super respectful. And, you know, that would just be so hard for a teenager. He just couldn't help himself. 
Yeah, I've often heard about the two talks that every black child should get. And the first one is, of course, the birds and the bees and sexual and social responsibility. But that second one is how to survive um, out, you know, with police officers or with, you know, uh, the white person who you just know is is looking for some reason to pop you. You know, I just, that's, that's a talk that it's just known as the talk. And... From what I understand, you know, it, it's something that every every parent, every bl- parent of a black child or a multiracial child, um, needs to sit down and have with their kids, and it's tough. Um, it is tough. Yeah, I, I had the same feeling, Sherry, when they stopped, and Khalil, you know, he was like what my grandmother would have called. He was a little fresh to the police officer, and I thought, oh, no, please, you know, say sir and, and all that kind of stuff and whatever but it was interesting I was thinking about I have two brothers who are younger than me and my mother gave a version of those talks to my brothers now I'm, I'm white I'm, I'm not black but um, you know, I remember and she didn't give it to me and she didn't give it to my sister but she gave it to my brothers and the version basically was if you're ever stopped by a police officer if you're ever in a situation where somebody wants to you know, get into a fight with you or something like that, you know, be respectful, but walk away and don't engage. So, I mean, I think it is very, very prevalent in the black community, but certainly I think sometimes, you know, parents of white sons, maybe not daughters, but sons, you know, give it, give that version of the talk as well, because, you know, things that my mother always, my mother's a little like, you know, she believes nothing can happen to girls, but bad things can happen to boys all the time. But, you know, we know that's not true. But, um, but she, you know, she definitely gave that version of the talk, I know, to my brothers as well. Well, uh, I mean, really, it's a shame that it should have to be given at all. But you can see the sense of it, you know, if it's going to save you from being killed. It's, um, you know, what a shame it has to be given, though. It's just terrible. And, um, you know, even the fact that the, the kids went to a party and there was a shooting there right at the very beginning. I mean, it's, it's so it's so shocking. Um but all the way through, um, Star's mother kept reminding her, you know, you, the way you've got to talk, always say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Um, you know, it was, it was all very, you know, be, be subservient to get what you want. And it, it was just such a shame. And I was, I was glad in the end she did speak out um, and she, she said what she wanted. But, um, you know, I, I never thought that the policeman was going to get charged at the end. You know, it was, um, and, the, and the interview that the um, the policeman's father gave was, you know, it was just disgusting. I don't know how once you'd been at the scene and seen what really happened, how you could sit through that and 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 not just give up on life because if you if the police authorities are lying to that extent, I mean, you you've got no chance. The police are supposed to be looking after you. But, you know, as, as we've seen, you know, from here in this country, we've, um, you know, we've seen it happen uh, over there. It, it does happen. It's so sad. Um, yeah, it, it's tragic. Uh, the question that I have, okay, is getting to the point where, okay, we're at, we're at the point. These two kids are pulled over. The police is clearly not wanting to help them at all. How realistic and how likely is it that, 
you're going to reach into your car for a hairbrush. I think that was the thing that kind of like, what? Why was he reaching for his hairbrush in the middle of all of this? He's just been at a party where someone's been shot. He's pulled over by the police. He's getting questioned. He knows he's black, and he knows he's not treating that police officer with the respect that that police officer thinks he deserves. And then he reaches for a hairbrush. I mean, he's got to know at some point that that's going to be a triggering thing. Um, it, it did kind of confuse me as to why that even happened. I was, I'm was i confused now because I didn't think he reached for the hairbrush. I thought he just went back to the door to see if Star was okay and the hairbrush was there in like one of those pouches on the door or something. Did he actually reach for it? Because I must have missed that. But yeah, it was stupid for him to move at all when the cop told him to get out of the car and put his hands on the roof. He should have just stayed still i i mean obviously he didn't deserve to be shot but i was like oh my gosh don't do that don't do that yeah i i thought the same thing also i thought what happened was he went back to the car to see how star was and i think the police officer took it as provocation um i didn't i don't remember him reaching for the hairbrush he may have reached for the hairbrush um but i think when they searched the car they found the hairbrush and maybe they assumed that that was the weapon that he was going for, the hairbrush. Um, but I think that, you know, I mean, he's 16 years old. And, you know, to me, when you're 16 years old, you're not a full-grown adult. You don't always think things through. And I think if you grow up in a, in a place, I mean, I, I live in a city, and I don't think they do it as much now, but for a long time they had the stop-and-frisk law. So if I come walking in, you know, I'm a middle-aged white woman, they're not going to stop me. Or even if I go someplace like Penn Station or Grand Central Station, you know, they have the police officers there. They stop people randomly and search their their person and search their belongings and things like that. I, I never get searched because I'm not really who they're they're looking for. But I can see if you grow up in that kind of environment where you randomly start, stop and search all the time and it's assumed that you're going to have weapons on you, I could see after a while that it really could grate on you. And also if you witness tragedy after tragedy, if you hear about all of these shootings and you see the way that people act, I mean, this is a really tough environment to be in. And sometimes people get their back up. So it wasn't surprising to me that he shot his mouth off a little bit. I think he shouldn't have done it. I mean, obviously he should not have done it. But, um, you know, some of it is that he may not have had the same level of... um, talking to that star did as well um i don't think he did because i you know i I think that he had a relationship with his grandmother miss rosalie i don't remember what the story was with his mother that much um so some of it is you know how much are you really talked to how much are you you know how much you really you know and it wasn't his mother a drug some a drug user and he was one of the reasons why he got involved with king i think was because of that so I think a lot of it is the environment that you grew up in, what you deal with on a daily basis. How much do you witness? How much are you stopped all the time? Um, and, and after a while, you know, I can see it getting under your skin. So, yeah, I mean, if it was Chris who was stopped, I think Chris would have known better. He would have said, yes, sir, and he would have stood there and did exactly what the police officer said. But I don't think that, that Khalil necessarily would have I, – I think what he did was plausible, actually. Yeah, I, I don't think Khalil was reaching for anything. Uh, that's I think that's the story that they they kind of uh, they were trying to figure out why this 
this cop who had no business working in that that neighborhood to begin with if he was so if he was so scared of his shadow he, he was obviously very afraid he had no business pulling the guy over to begin with and he had no business uh certainly no business shooting him and uh uh and i think that was just uh what they were trying to they were trying to come up with a reason that uh, you know that the guy had reacted like he did he had, you know he just he, he killed him in cold blood i mean he had, he had no reason to shoot the, the boy uh so uh uh so that 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 was that was very disturbing uh and can y'all refresh my memory? Did, did they not sit? I mean, I know this thing was set in the neighborhood was Garden Heights, but didn't they identify a, a, a big city that this was part of at the, at the beginning of the book? I, I, I kept trying to come up with it, and I couldn't remember what's, what city this thing was supposed to be set in. Yeah, I didn't. He, You know, when he was stopped, Cleo just was asking, oh, why, why did you stop me? But the policeman wouldn't answer, and then he kept saying, well, why didn't you stop me? You know, because he, he wanted to answer, thought he was the deserved answer. And so the policeman ran, uh, reached in and was dragging him out of the car, made him stand there as he went back to uh, his car. The policeman went back to his car. Uh, and... Um, Cleo then, he, instead of standing there with his hands on the top of the car, like the policeman told him to do, he was going to see if, what about Star. So he was back there. After the shooting, they saw the bus, and that was the excuse for the shooting, that that was, thought that was a, a gun. So the policeman was in fear of his life, because you're not supposed to shoot anybody unless you're in fear of your life. And as I watch the news from month to month, I see a lot of these uh, shootings, and the excuses the police sometimes use to shoot shoot somebody is ridiculously thin. Uh, I forget one case a few months ago where uh, they shot a boy walking and they shot him like 14 times. Does it really take that much to to shoot a person? And then you say, well, he was coming after me. It is is absolutely horrific. You know, these things go on all the time. Um, You know, it, it is shocking. Um, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't imagine living in a place where there are just so many guns around. It just seems incredible to me. But um, two of the other things I thought were very well done was the funeral, um, Khalil's funeral. I thought it was very, um, it would be very, very hard, you know, to have an open coffin and everybody going up and seeing the body, especially of a, you know, a 16-year-old boy who's been shot. Um, you know what, all going up and having to look in at him in the coffin. I've never been to a funeral like that before, but maybe that's um, you know maybe that's commonplace in, in that sort of culture. I don't I don't know what it seemed to be, but I would think that would be very very upsetting. And then it was, certainly was for Star, and also um, the time at the uh, the posh school when they set up the protest and as Star was saying they weren't interested at all. Interested in was getting off class and having a le- legitimate reason for not going into class and I thought she handled that very well as you know it's um the way she sat it out and didn't get involved in it yeah that school protest thing was interesting how they just took it so lightly just to get out of class that was was pretty offensive I think the whole coffin thing um Michelle read the author biography and she knew Medgar Evans or something when Medgar Evans was brutally 
beaten and killed in the South in the 60s, his mom in Chicago insisted on an open casket without any makeup and stuff to clean him up so that people could see what was done to him. And he was apparently terribly disfigured, and that made a big impression on people, so it was important for her to do. Um, a couple of really minor things I want to mention. Somebody mentioned some humor in this book, which it was nice that there was some. Um, Mav mentioned at one point he was talking about Harry Potter and why they didn't just shoot Voldemort. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny and actually a pretty good question. And I also um, always have to mention the animals in the book, and they did have a dog. And at the beginning, it sounded like they kept this poor dog chained up in the yard all the time. But by the end of the book, the dog was hanging out in the house with everybody. So I was happy to see that. Yeah, I mean, I think different religions have different traditions when it comes to funerals. And some people have open caskets and some people have closed caskets. Um, you know, I think sometimes... Uh, there are there are such you know so it, it depends a lot but I, I can see in certain cases as Sherry mentioned that there, there is some validity in letting people see actually what actually happened even if it's not the easiest thing to to observe um, and again you know the thing that I keep coming back to in this book is that most of these characters were 16 years old and um, so again it made sense to me that if you went to a white prep school with, you know, wealthy people who are very far removed from the, the world of Garden Heights, why would they not, you know, look at this as a great opportunity to get out of class? It, that, that, you know, that made sense to me. That seemed, that seemed realistic. And it just showed how difficult sometimes it was for Star to straddle her two worlds because she was in Garden Heights and, you know, she had her community there. And then she was in a completely different world where, you know, people didn't really understand, you know, what had happened, and and you know, it was, and if it's if it happened in their community, it would have been such an aberration. But it wasn't really an aberration in the Garden Heights community, um, and I think it was just difficult for Star and her family anyway to have hid the fact that she was the witness, um, and you know, apparently people found out pretty quickly about that as well. So. It was, I mean, her, her family was, was very supportive, even, even her extended family, um, her half-brother, and even, I think, Kenya was her, not really related to her, but was um, Seven's sister, and, and she did get a lot of support from her family, and I think sometimes that's what makes the difference, is, you know, if you have a, a particularly supportive environment, you know, sometimes that that's, that can really, you know, make the difference, I think, and not always, but sometimes, you know, sometimes things happen that, like, it would happen to her friend where she was the victim of a drive-by shooting. It's very far removed. I mean, I live in a city, and all of this is very far removed from me, but I've come in contact with enough people from working and, and just living here all the years that a lot of the stuff in the book strikes me as, as very, very plausible. Yeah, one of the parts of the book that I enjoyed a lot, the kids were going down to uh, join the protest and everything. And I kept thinking, what are you going down in there? You're going to get in a lot of trouble. And the car broke down. They had to get out of the car and then walk down. And they got down there and, and uh, uh, Star made that a uh, little talk. And then the poli- things started getting uh, unruly. And the police threw a 
canister, uh, gas canister, and she picked it up and threw it back at him. So it went off on the on the police side, and she was caught uh, in a photo throwing that uh, canister, which resulted in her getting uh, interviewed on a television program. And I thought it was a little bright spot there because she made such a good impression on that interview that a millionaire wrote in and said that he would pay for her to go to college. So I thought that was a little bright spot in all of all of the other uh, hardness that there was. Yeah, that was that was a great scene. Um, uh, the protesting at the at the school. It just reminded me of my first semester at college. It was 1974. And my roommate, who was white, came running in the room all excited. There's a protest. There's a protest. And I, come on, let's go. And I said, what are they protesting? She goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, dear. And just two little minor things I wanted to mention as well. You mentioned the humour in the book. Was the little brother, I can't remember his name now, but there were quite some humorous bits and pieces with him not understanding really what was going on. And he was a very cute character. And the other thing I liked was um, Star's parents, the way they talked to each other, and then she would interpret what they were really saying to each other. You know, we'd have the dialogue between the mum and dad, and Star would say, well, what, what they were actually saying in that conversation, and it was the way she interpreted what they were saying. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, another thing, it's not, it's not funny, but I also liked the ongoing debate between um, Mav and... I can't remember the character's name who ran the um, store, ne- the, the the business next to him, um, but their debate between Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, or you know, and and just the 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 praying to the Black Jesus and the nation stuff and the Black Panther stuff. I mean, those are are you know, it, it was very, it was very interesting that that you know was was a sometimes a cause for um, um, debate, differences, dissension, whatever, within the community, and yet they all pulled together and they could all, they could all come together and for the bigger issues. And I, I, I just think it added more texture to the story. Yeah, that was Mr. Lewis, the, the barber. And he, he kind of was the, the stable guy. He had been there for years. So he, get, he lent stability to me, in my opinion, to the hood. And, um, yeah, I, I also like that debate, you know, the old school, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, Mr. Mr. Lewis was, was uh, you know, uh, very respectful and uh, thought a lot of Dr. King. And, uh, and Mav was, was more militant as far as that goes, you know, Malcolm X and, and so on. Uh, and I also like the fact that, Star did come from a stable home. Um, Maverick was, uh, you know, he, you know, um, he he bore uh, all the older seven. Uh, he was seven's dad, and uh, but yet when uh, he did not mess around on, uh, um, what the heck was her name? Um, not Melissa. Uh, Star's mom. Um, but they, you know, all three and all those seven didn't live there all the time. You know, King would throw him out and everything, and he'd come over and and uh, live with them. But uh, I just like the fact that that those three kids had a stable home to um, grow up in. 
Yeah, that was a good thing. And I'm glad you brought up the barber because that was a nice interplay between them. They were sort of at each other's throats, but yet when push came to shove, they all pulled together and uh, carried on. Um, I also was glad to see King kind of, I think he got arrested at the end of the book. I'm not sure, but it seems like he got his at the end of the book. And he was kind of a scumbaggy character, so I was glad to see that too. Yeah, Star's mom's name uh, was Lisa, and uh, uh, it, it just did a really good job of showing us uh, 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 that that culture. I thought she just—I mean, she just really did a good job of of, of giving us a, a glimpse into this. And I, and I think it's important for us to all to understand, you know, uh, other cultures and stuff. I mean, it's like I said at the very beginning. Uh, uh, until until we know. And can put ourselves in other people's shoes. We're never, we're never going to get along with with each other. And, and I, I really enjoyed the, the the fact that that uh, the scenes between Star and her dad. I thought uh, there were several of them in there, and it was obviously important that family was very important to them. And uh, she just did a really good job of presenting that. And uh, I also enjoyed the humor that several of you have already mentioned. The uh, uh, the thing about the green bean casserole and stuff, I and mean, you know, and Chris said he hated green green bean casserole, but then they asked him whether macaroni and cheese was a <laughs> was a meal or a side dish. And, uh, man, I, I've eaten macaroni and cheese before that I, that I could, you know, could be taken as a meal, uh, and not the kind out of the craft box either, like the, the you know the the cooked kind. So I thought that that was funny, and then when they were out and and the car broke down, and Chris said, "Well, a couple of us could stay with the car." And a couple of us could go go get the gas, and they and they had already commented about you know it was a white thing to to break apart like in these movies. That's why people are always getting killed. And then they said, "Yeah, see, we told you." I, I, I thought that was pre- that was pretty funny, but uh, uh, she just did really did a good job of giving us a, a a look into that culture. Yeah, I remember about the mac and cheese because I think that really is. A very defining question. I think that, you know, I think of mac and cheese as a meal. I don't think of it as a side dish. But anytime I go to like a southern restaurant or a soulful restaurant or something like that, it's always an option for a side dish. So I know that, you know, a lot of times people view it as a side dish. But, yeah, I think that's a really, really defining question. Um, I'm just going to quickly mention, because I know we're we're coming upon the hour, um, our our book for next month. so next month we're going to be reading a, a, a different uh, type of a book. It's a, it's a historical fiction book. Um, it was actually suggested by LaDawn, so we, we thank LaDawn for, for suggesting the book. And it's called America's First Daughter. Um, and there's two authors, and as usual I, I cannot think of their names, but I know Sherry has the information. <laughs> she'll, she'll mention, I think, Stephanie Dray, D-R-A-Y, and Laura Kamoy, which is K-A-M-O-I-E. And um, it's actually about the life of Patsy Jefferson, who was the daughter, the only, the only surviving child, actually, of, of President Thomas Jefferson. And it's a really good book. Um, it, it basically, um, yes, Thomas Jefferson does, does make, you know, a, a strong appearance in the story, but it's really about Patsy Jefferson's life and what it was like to, to be a woman, I think, in, at, at that particular time um, in the, um, you know, late 1700s, early 1800s. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And um, 
you know, it's all about her extended family. And it's a really, it's, it's, a, it's a long book, but it's a very quick read. It, it really flies by. The reader, of course, I can't remember the name of the reader, but the reader was excellent. Um, and I think if, you, if you'll try it, you'll, you'll really enjoy the book. Um, I had Stephanie Gray, G-R-A-Y, but Michelle might be right. It might be Dray, D-R-A-Y. The DV number is 88020, so people can search on that. I put it up in the search window if you hit F9. You should be able to find it if you want to cut and paste it. America's First Daughter by Stephanie something, either Dray or Gray, DB88020. I'm not quite finished with it yet, and like Michelle said, it it really goes fast. It it's really uh, draws you into what her life was like. She went with um, her father to Paris, and so she was there for a while when Thomas Jefferson was in Paris. And then, of course, she came back and lived at Monticello while he was president. Um, so it's, it's really a good book. Um, but we don't have to stop talking about this one. I noticed that um, I know Liz had her hand up, and I think someone else did too, so we can continue to talk about this book too. And, David, I, I know you were going to say something. That's fine. Go ahead if people want to talk about the new book, too. Sorry, I know I always ask, but do you have a, the date for the next one? Just so I can write it next to the book. I'm just going to say real quick before she tells you the date, the part about them being in Paris was my favorite part of the book. I didn't have to read any more, but I did. I read this book. Interesting. Second, the first Friday in February. February 2nd. Lovely, thank you. Um, Liz, did, did you have anything that, that you wanted to add? And also, um, I, I don't. I, and I know Shell mentioned that her friend Roanne is here. I don't know if you have a microphone or if you read the book or if you want to say anything. You don't have to. Just you know, you're welcome to if you like. And also, I know Don hasn't had a chance to talk either, so I don't know if you had anything you wanted to to, to say as well. I wanted to jump in real quick, and I think it was Alan who asked if the book mentioned the city that Garden Heights was a suburb of, and I didn't catch that either. I didn't remember it mentioning a real city. She may not have wanted you to have a specific city. It could have been anywhere, USA. I'm not sure. I don't remember either. And hi, Roanne. I don't know if you remember. We've been on some other websites with music games. It's nice to see you. Hi. Hi. Real quick, um, I'm glad that Marcia mentioned that Star came from a stable family that we're living, you know, living in, in the midst of all of this chaos because I think too often everybody just thinks that there are no stable families in the ghetto, you know, that everybody's single parent or, you know, men come and go and the reason these kids have such a rough life is because they don't come from stable families and that's just not true. So I'm glad that she defied that stereotype and that that was a major part of her story. Well, good evening all. No, I haven't read the book. I've only just heard about it from Shell earlier on this evening. I didn't know this uh, book club was on until then, but I thought I'd come along and see what you were talking about and see how it's all going. It is Dre for the second book, or, you know, next month's book. It is D-R-A-Y. I'm in the process of getting ready to add it to my wish list. Yeah, I didn't finish the book, but I'm inclined to read it finish it up tonight you know i just want to shout out to both shell and roanne it sounds like you're both british and i just want to say how awesome it is that you are so dedicated that you're willing to stay up until two o'clock in the morning to be a part of this discussion and and i really appreciate it thank you 
I second that because it's really nice to get an opinion from another country about、uh, some of these books that are kind of America centric. Oh, well, Rowan's a big reader as well. <laughs> We've been on a couple of other book groups together, so she does read a lot. I wanted to add it. I live near Oakland, where the police, for years, recruit deliberately recruited their officers from the south, and they paid a heavy price. They had some very tough times, which still coming out of it, still. And a big problem is that the better adjusted the mobile people are moving.、Uh, African Americans are moving out, partly due to gentrification. But、uh, they're moving out to the suburbs, to, Ant- to Antioch and Pittsburgh and so on, and、uh, it, it's, it's leaving the, rest, the less well-off behind. Yeah, I, I know a few of you mentioned what city does this take place in? Is it outside of a city? And, and it would seem like it would be part of a city, right? And I don't remember in the book. Than mentioning any city, but I wondered, Alan, does this seem to you like this could take place in Jackson, Mississippi, because that's where she's from? And I wondered if it felt to you like it might have taken place in in that city. I was thinking, like David said, that she probably didn't want us to know what city it was because it could take place anywhere.、Um, I this is kind of an aside, but I noticed Bob isn't here, and I could not record this. My recording crashed. So I was hoping maybe somebody else thought to record it. Otherwise, we're out of luck. I recorded it, and、uh, it, it feels like a bigger place than Jackson. But you know, Jackson certainly has its share of uh, 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 of hoods and, and and race problems and stuff. Uh, but uh, uh, and, and I don't know why I got confused. I, I would have sworn it had a, a city setting at the beginning of it, but I. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I read so much. I'm, I'm, I'm probably running my books together. So, uh, uh, it, but, it, but it, it, it doesn't really feel like Jackson. But like, like、uh, who, who am I to say? I, I don't, I don't live in Jackson anymore. I live out in, the, I live out in the suburb of Jackson and in another county and stuff. So,、uh, I'm probably not the best to ask. But uh, uh, it, it, it feels like it's set in a, in a, in a bigger place, though, to me. Jackson's not that big up. I mean, it's the biggest city in Mississippi, but Mississippi doesn't have a very big population. So,、uh, anyway. Yeah, Sherry, I also recorded it as well, or I hope that I recorded it. But you know what, Alan? I think you're better at recording than I am. So, if you don't mind sending this to Bob, that would actually be a great help. I thought. Now, I could be wrong, but I thought they said toward the beginning that that it took place in.、Uh, Or near Chicago, but I, 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 like I said, I could be wrong about that. But somehow, Chicago rings a bell. See, Marcia, that's what I was just going to say too. Either Chicago or possibly Baltimore, but I think Chicago.、Um, and again, it really very well maybe because it, you know, this this story could have been set in any country or any city, any large urban city. So it could have been Philly, it could have been Baltimore, it could have been. Chicago could have been Detroit, for all that matter.、Um, but yeah, I think Chicago was what I remember too. Well, it certainly could have taken place there. There's the, I don't know his first name, Laquane or something like that. McDonald case going on in Chicago now, where the cop shot the black guy a bunch of times and claimed he was charging him when in fact he was walking away. But there is no suburb or neighborhood called Garden Heights 
I don't think. But of course, she could have just made up that name so it could be any neighborhood. <laughs> I don't know whether it mean anything to you over there, but it made me laugh when it all took place on Coronation Street because <laughs> over here, Coronation Street has got a completely different feeling. It's one of our biggest soap operas. And for some reason, I was thinking it was, it was uh, Washington D.C. But uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm running my books together. I'm sure, but uh, I'm going to go back and go back to the beginning of it again just to see if if I if I just uh, dreamed all that. I've heard of Coronation Street, the soap opera. That is pretty funny that she chose to name the street that. I wonder if she knew of the soap opera too and was trying to be ironic. I don't know, but it did uh, it did make me think they've not uh, had those sorts of goings on in our Coronation Street, but it might not be long. <laughs> well, um, if it's okay, Alan and Don, can you mention the books for for your next meetings as well, so everybody will know what what books are are coming up. Yeah, for uh, Worlds of Books, which meets uh, January 16th, the third Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And I haven't sent the newswire out. I mean, I'll be doing that in a day or two. But we're we're discussing the book The X, E-X, by Alifair, A-L-A-F-A-I-R, Burke, B-U-R-K-E. That's James Lee Burke's daughter. I don't have the DB number. I apologize. But... Uh, it's uh it's 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 a kind of a legal fiction kind of uh drama story but uh, uh that's it okay uh, our group meets on the second tuesday this uh, february the 6th and the book is founding rivals madison versus monroe the bill of rights and the election that saved the nation the author is chris d rose d e r o s e and it's DB88382. And uh, it's only nine hours, so it should make a pretty pretty good read. And the, uh, he barely won the election <laughs> uh, Monroe, over Monroe. Uh, and uh, so he, uh, Madison was able to push through the Bill of Rights, and a lot of the colonies wouldn't have joined. Two of them wouldn't have joined. And uh, the other colonies might not have can't come together at all so anyway the bill of rights and uh, founding rivals i'm right next to a book called founding brothers which i started reading so that you know since we have a, a nice turnout today i was just wondering um I, i'm always curious like what kind of books people like to read um so this group is called fiction old and new and we tend to read a lot of historical fiction, and we tend to read a lot of contemporary fiction, I would say, often with like a family theme. Um, but are there other types of, of fiction that, that everybody likes to read that you would be interested in reading? I know once we read a science fiction book, but there is a, a science fiction group that meets, and we tend to stay away from mysteries because the mystery group that covers that but for example are people interested at all in reading any older books do you or, or do you like to read more contemporary books um and if you like historical fiction is there a time period or a country or a setting that you particularly like just i'm kind of curious like what you know I, I try really hard to pick books that i think will be interesting for the group and i know sherry does as well but it'd be great if people you know could mention if there's anything in particular that they really would, are interested in reading in, in sometime in the future 
Okay, I um, love series, and so, but what if if uh, okay? Last summer I read um, Into the Wilderness series. It's a series of five books, but um, the first one is called Into the Wilderness, and it's by Sarah Donati. It's set in the United States um, in the late eight seventeen hundreds, going into the very early eighteen hundreds. Um, and it's uh, set up in upstate New York, um, and it's very interesting that the premise is, is that the, the, a woman has just arrived um, at her father's newly founded settlement, where he's a judge, and she's brought here from England with, under the guise that she's going to teach the children in this new settlement village. When she gets there, she discovers that in fact, no, she's not there to teach, although she can do that. But she's really there to pay off a debt that her father has incurred as a gambler. And it goes off from there and how she, she gets out of doing that. And, and it, it was fascinating. But Sarah Donati, um, it deals with Indian-white relations. It deals with uh, just um, you know women's rights and the right to self-determination. And um, I really enjoyed that. And I don't know if anybody in this group is uh, has ever read any um, dystopian uh, fiction literature, but um, oh gosh, Marcia, you might have to help me out on this. Uh, for uh, oh, Forstian um, starts off with one second after, um, and that's a series of three books. Um, and it deals with um, life after an EMP strike and how people turn on each other. There are so many of those series, but I know that that one is up on Bard, so if anybody's interested in that, um, that was another interesting and fascinating thing. And, and it would actually be, I would like that because we could discuss some of the dynamics of it and, and, and how creepy it was. <laughs> but that's, that's my input. Well, David is going to be presenting the historical fiction in April in our group, so uh, that we hope we can come up with some interesting titles. I don't know if he's picked one out yet. Well, I, I have to say I've really, really enjoyed the books you pick. I don't know how you pick them, but um, I've always really enjoyed them. Um, I think it's different, different titles from the other groups that I belong to here. And I like historical fiction uh, from any time in any country. Different. I, I think it's quite interesting... Having historical books from countries that you don't, you might not know the history of. Um, I mean, America and England, so the largest in Australia, we all know it. And it's quite interesting to read from cultures that are not quite as well known. And I agree, dystopia. I, I like dystopian novels. I think they give you an awful lot to talk about, ideas. Um, I would, I would be up for reading more of those. And I'm mainly a mystery reader, but of course we've already got the mystery group so you know we, we're quite uh, well catered for in the mystery department as it is but I love the titles we pick here. Well, I'll just have to come more often um, and uh, I'll probably need to read next month's book. Um, I'm open to most most anything. I, I don't have any particular vein of book that I that I read more than, than others. Well I can I do tend to read more mysteries and some legal fiction and uh, um, and uh, detective books and that kind of thing, but I'm open pretty much to anything. We did read a dystopian book a long time ago, and maybe Michelle remembers the title. I'm, I'm too lazy to look it up on our spreadsheet, 
but it was about um, the perspective of a young girl and the earth was slowly losing its rotation or starting to spin faster and the repercussions of that on the neighborhood and the town and everything, the family life. That was pretty good. Um, yeah, there are some dystopian books that are really good. There's some old ones like A Last Babylon and um, what is it, On the Beach in Australia, some stuff like that that are, uh, you know, classics. Yeah, I think the the book, Liz, you were talking about one second after, is in his name, William R. Forstian. I keep wanting to say fortune every time I, I mention his name, but it, it, it I don't and I don't know the spelling and I don't have the the DB numbers, but uh, I know there are what two of them on Bard, or I think there are three in that series, one of which is not on Bard, and uh, I read that one from Audible. Well, thank you everybody actually for that's really really good suggestions, and I think it would be interesting to read a dystopian novel. Um, Sherry, I think the book you're thinking of is The Age of Miracles um, by Karen Walker Thompson, but we actually didn't read it in this group. I think Novel Ideas actually was the group that discussed that book. It was a good book, um, but that's that's that, thank you so much actually and. Shell, is there like a very popular Welsh author that you would recommend? Because I, I don't think I've read a lot of Welsh authors, and I could look on Bard and see if there's somebody. But do you have any, any ones that you particularly enjoy that you could recommend? If not, that that's fine. Oh, no, not offhand. I would have to think about it. Any Welsh ones I've read have been mystery books, which I don't think would really fit in here. But um, I don't know. I'm sure there will be some. Wasn't I, How Green Was My Valley or some such book? Yes, is that one? That was quite an old book. Um, I'm trying to think of modern. There's, um, oh, someone was, Rowan was mentioned to me earlier on, I've forgotten the name of her, Katrina. What was her name, Ro? She's good. Katrina Collier. There's also um, Alexander Cordell. He wrote a lot of books about the history of the copper and iron industries in South Wales. Oh, well, there you go. I've not read any of those. But Welsh authors are quite thin on the ground, really. There were quite a few years ago. There aren't that many contemporary ones. There's, there's some mystery ones, but um, no, not, not that I can think of. I rolled that Well, I'm going to turn the recording off, but uh, I, I really enjoyed tonight's meeting and uh, everybody's great comments. Uh, uh, I will say I, I'm not a huge fan of dystopian fiction, so sorry about that. But don't don't let that influence what y'all pick. I, I, I like all books. Well, a lot of novels that are that seem to be tagged with the uh, strong human relations uh, 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 categorization. I tend to like those a lot. But uh, we get those in a lot of the other groups too, though. So uh, y'all have been doing an excellent job of picking stuff. So keep on trucking. Well, Alan, look at it this way. If we do pick a dystopian book, then you get a break, because I don't know how you keep up with all the book clubs. He's a reading demon. I got I got too much time on my hands, but uh, I figure I, I could probably pick a lot worse things to do than, than read a lot, so uh, I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying them.